Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to Footwork, a podcast for those who dream big, never settle, and make their own path. I'm Sean. And I'm Dylan. Together with guests, we share stories and tips every Monday to educate, inspire, and create a community built of soccer players and dream chasers. Today, we're going to do things a little differently. Instead of guests, Sean's going to be interviewing me about my road to the professional game, I guess, starting in Australia in 2016, 2017, everything that led up to it. A lot of you may know these stories, but for all the new listeners we have, we wanted to kind of give you guys a deep dive into these places that really shaped us and helped us interview our guests and draw all these conclusions and educate you. So without further ado, here's Sean interviewing me for our first segment where we go back in time and really dig deep on these first adventures. And this is the start of the episode. So yeah. Dill, how does it feel to be interviewed first off? This is the first time we've done a face-to-face interview. This is weird. Um, the birds are chirping though. It's a nice sunny day. We each have a tea. Yeah, we each have a nice tea. I don't know. I'm kind of excited. It's been yeah. It's been a while, and we've had a lot of guests, but I don't know. I'm excited to talk about our journeys, too. Yeah, and I don't think we've ever done a one-on-one uh, guest of each other no. yet. In the beginning, we kind of went back and forth with this is kind stories, of intimate, but it too, is intimate because we're just staring <laughs> we're just at each other. At each other. I feel like the other podcasts, they're on a bit of a diagonal, so they're not always staring right at each other. Yeah, but, but I'm like, we do this anyway. Like, today, we drank seven cups of coffee at multiple cafes yeah it's a good day it's a nice nice off day in hamburg yeah so for all of you out there don't mind the birds it's a beautiful day here we're outside um but we're going to talk about dylan's little story his initial jump into the pro game um i'm gonna start it off <laughs> quotes on the pro game <laughs> air quotes <laughs> yeah, air quotes we'll find that we'll find out shortly make your own path that has become the motto of footwork yeah you got your footwork mug make your own batch mm-hmm in 2016, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of college, what did Make Your Own Path mean to you? Ooh, I mean, I'd say there's a lot of similar- similarities for what it, may- what it meant then and what it means now. I think I've learned so much over the past, what is it, five years now, six years now. Um, but there's a big core themes where it was to follow something where I felt fulfilled in. And I'm sure we'll get into a little background on the coming into the combines and the pro game and trying to get my start but those initial steps that I had to take to like make a decision that was something that I think I think we could say most people wouldn't make Mm -hmm. um and I don't mean that in a cocky way or you know it was scary it was a scary time but for me it was following my heart as cliche as that sounds but knowing that I had to find a passion and knowing if I didn't, then I would regret it someday. And to give it everything I had for the time being. And even though it wasn't glamorous and a lot of people gave me side eyes, you know, turning down a job and having basically nothing and playing, you know, for free on an amateur contract in the MPSL instead of taking a cushy job in mm-hmm. Midtown, New York City. Um, but it was it was staying true to the ideas that I and the values that I was developing um, in college, post college, and although college was kind of swaying me into a, a place where, or at least a career path that maybe wasn't for me, I think I found 
I don't know, times where reflective enough I found that there was there was more to it for me and there was at least a different path to try first and then mm. I could always come back. Mm. So I don't really know where I went with that. It's been a long time since I've been given the mic. Kind of just took it and ran. This is good. Like we said, it's uh, our podcasts are about. Yeah, but yeah, that's making my, I mean, it, it unfolds every single day. And back then, a lot of it was to be a pro and a lot of that was for the aspects of being a pro, for the for the the image, for the theme, for mm-hmm. everything that comes with it, you know. Um, but it was still to follow my heart, and I think that kind of stayed true from but, the time. But why? What pushed you to do that? Were there were there examples ahead of you? Were there people that inspired you? Um, I mean, there was always people here and there that inspired me. Um, I was very fortunate from a young age where my parents always allowed me to kind of find my way in something. I was never really pressured to do things. I was sometimes pressured to try things, but I think that's good for a child to kind of get them in the area and see what, I mean, like any American, I played six, seven sports growing up, always gravitated towards soccer. And for those who've listened to past episodes, that was like my dream when I was young. And I think when you have that dream when when you're young, if it's like something that kind of is at least a little within reach, it stays with you. Mm -hmm. And when I was playing so much soccer growing up and, you know, I played ODP, which was like the state team back in the day. And then, you know, you play travel soccer, club soccer, you play high school soccer. It was, oh, I mean, my life was really soccer for my entire life. Mm -hmm. And when we didn't, you know, like, didn't go to a big D1 school, so didn't think I had a chance in the USA. Um, But then you start to hear these stories of guys going abroad and trying different things or doing lower league and just getting a shot. And, yeah, I wouldn't say there was, like, one person who was, like, took that kind of path that really made me, like, say this is, this can happen. But I think I've always luckily been a pretty introspective person and knowing what my values were and like I said I was gravitating more towards the money and the idea of a good job and the security of a good job Mm -hmm. and I think that was coming through college but I think always like money was never really like that was never the gravitational force for me Mm. it was always passion and I knew when I stepped on a soccer field or a football field that like everything else went away like any problems I ever had, whether it was relationships or family things, it just went away. So I knew that was like my space. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was like, okay, this is my passion. Yeah. And to this passion, um, you know, you had two All-American years, your junior and senior year in college. The program itself was very successful. We lost just a few games out of probably close to 50 games in two years. Two Final Fours. You were the top player on the team, the most accolades, like I said, two All-Americans. And then you decide to make the pursuit or pursue the idea of being pro, um, which at the time all we knew was combines. That was the only route we saw. And there had to be three, four combines that all told you no. Mm. One of which um, was only a few months after we graduated told you that, you know, you're too small. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not you're not you're not big enough to play pro. Yeah. I mean to this to this 
check the ego because you're coming out to all Americans, you, yeah. you know. I mean, I guess the two... So the first check of the ego was like going D3 and not really getting D1 offers. Mm-hmm. Like maybe... A, I wouldn't even say. It was just kind of like half interest. And even on the D3, it was like... I remember Coach Byrne was like, I don't know how you'll... Um, like adjust to the physical side of the college game Mm -hmm. and when you think back on it it's like it's nuts to hear these things and it's nuts to be told you're too small but you know these are things that happen in the game there's a perceivement of you and then there's the actual what is he gonna bring what is he gonna deliver and they were all ego checks being told no coming out of college like no you're not good enough no you're not good enough no you're not good enough it completely checks the ego because even though, like I said, I was very blessed with my family and how they approach things, there's always pressure. And a lot of the times it's coming from outside forces. A lot of the times it's coming from yourself. And you're think, I'm thinking like, you know, am I doing the right thing? Is this, like, am I really good enough? Like, yeah, I did well in college and I got accolades. And, but like, maybe like, you know, I'm just a team player and I, it just takes, you know, there's not enough coaches that see what I have, that what I bring to a game. Because my game is, I think it's unique. Mm-hmm. And although that can be a good thing, it can also be a bad thing in an area which doesn't, I guess, give so much praise to my type of game. Mm-hmm. Being a smaller guy, like, you know, not being the strongest guy, of course. So, yeah, they were all checks. And there was many times where I was thinking to myself, contemplating, is this it? And those combine that those times being told no with literally nothing, having nothing was some of the most testing times throughout. And I think about it and I'm like, what if I, you know, I don't know if I was ever close to giving up, but like in those times I was certainly tested to think about that question. Mm -hmm. Like, is this right for me? And yeah, it was tough. Those were tough times. But why did you decide to continue? From hearing those no's? Yeah. I guess knowing I knowing deep down that I was good enough, knowing deep down that I had something to bring, and just knowing that I wanted it, and knowing that I wanted it more than a lot of people out there, that I was willing to try until I really felt like, okay, I've been told no enough times. You know, like I said, there was some times thinking back on it, being told no, and you're like, oh, am I good enough? But I don't think I was told no enough times because I was still had enough belief and credit to friends and family. Like I had friends that were pushing me and, you know, it takes a strong support system along with yourself to really push yourself in these times and in these places. So for me, it was like, yeah, it just... I haven't been told enough times to get. I haven't been told no enough times to give up yet. Yeah. Um, and then, how did you get your opportunity? Well, we were doing a combine with Soccer Visa, so Joe Finucello, who guys and girls who have heard the episodes we've had on a few times now, mm-hmm. just talking different things. Um, yeah, we were doing a combine there. We did one which was like a, I guess, an intro where they would kind of cut guys and bring them all into an all-star. That's how it was, mm-hmm. right? It was like an ID camp, yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we both did well in that, and we got called back to the uh, the next camp. So this one's a little bit more competitive, better guys coming from a few different areas. Mm-hmm. I still think all on the East Coast, but, yeah. Tri-state like, area. Tri-state mostly. areas. And your soccer visa was, like, 
they had the combine game like they had a really good rep i mean they still always have a good reputation but for the combines that was like the time to do soccer visa because mm-hmm. they were i mean guys were getting contracts and scandinavian stuff and it was like you know joe was one of the realest ones out there and yeah i was doing well in that too i think it was the first day though um go up for a header and uh accidentally i'm sure he didn't mean it i get elbowed right in the cheekbone and like one of the worst pains i've ever felt um nose is bleeding i get one of those tampon things you know like but it just kept bleeding it didn't stop i go to the combine doctor there and yeah they check it out they don't really see it they don't i mean i think i don't think he was really a doctor he was a physio physio or something yeah so like there's only a little bit he's just trying to help me get back to it mm-hmm. so i try and go back in and joe's like no nah, no nah, man like you should go get this checked out like it's starting to swell i'm still bleeding like everything and an urgent care visit turns into a hospital visit which turns into my entire cheek bone and so- eye socket is completely shattered like a cookie they said and yeah i mean i had to go home after that i don't know if it helped me because i did ball that day and i left a really good impression from the first id camp onto that one that mm-hmm. one day and i did really well i scored before that i assisted before that and i was doing really really well in an eight position in the center midfield and yeah they they got me a contract uh they had a mutual connection through a young coach benny brookfield who was English but coaching out in Australia and they needed a few imports to help with their season. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I got the call like a month, maybe a month or a few weeks later. I can't remember the exact timeline, but sometime around Thanksgiving. And they're like, yeah, they want you to come out in um, February for their season. Uh, Australia season runs like February to October, somewhere around there. And... Yeah, it was presented to me in a certain way. I would, I mean, I would have taken it regardless. We were hungry, mm-hmm. and I still think that opportunity shaped me and really helped me grow as a person and as a player. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a great first move, and I was also so naive to everything that was going around in mm-hmm. it. So it was like there was a lot going on, and there was a lot behind the scenes, and there was a lot that was kind of flipped in a certain way to me but also I was blind to it and mm-hmm. ignorant to it and probably willfully ignorant to yeah. it because I wanted it to be something yeah. that it wasn't you know yeah. but that's that's what it was at that time yeah I think that makes two of us too at that time everything we heard that was new and unknown we thought it was like amazing we were very exactly. we were blissfully ignorant exactly um, is it blissfully or willfully or is willfully, it both I don't know are they both afraid? I don't know either way um but I think there's two. There's a few things to take from that, and the one, the first one that I took from it, um, I, I can't speak for Pell, that was also trying to chase this dream too. Is like, you got a contract, the first one out of all of us, mm-hmm. and you got it based on a day. Sure, the combine before helped, but then you solidified his opinion in a day. Yeah. So you didn't have to complete the combine or do all three days or whatever it was. Yeah. Like you made an impression Those combines are hard too like exactly. three days of a combine is hard and it's not always you can't always show what you can do best because there's other factors as a team sport always so it's the fact that you were able to do that was a lesson for me that like it only takes a moment you could literally do one thing really well yeah and that's it they're gonna open com- the door didn't even complete the 11 v 11 game exactly 
exactly. Yeah. Um, but then you get this contract. Uh, we're hyped for you. We think, wow, this is amazing. Dylan's going to Australia. You know, it's more fuel for us. It's going to be a pro. For me, I can I can speak for myself that, like, okay, he got it. Like, I'm, I'm going to be next. Yeah. Like, somewhere. Like, great contract mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, Australia. Mm-hmm. Cool place to play. Speaking, speaks English. Halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. What is your mindset going into this? Like I said, it was, it was half a little bit knowing that it wasn't exactly what it was portray- portrayed as. But either... I guess not caring or also just like I don't know the way to phrase it but I, I mean I was excited I was so excited because it was a, it was still a good opportunity it was a good opportunity for me to go show myself play in a different area grow as a person grow as a player um, be able to make money and um, yeah it was it's like a place it's giving you an opportunity to go expose yourself and market yourself in a different place when I was being told no so many times in the US. So for me, it was an amazing experience and I'm indebted to Soccer Visa for it. Um, but yeah, again, like, you know, I wrote that I was being a professional player. I wrote on Instagram, I had a cool little video that my brother made up, you know? And yeah, these things are all right and I, you know, I, we play with this idea because like we see it. I see it mm-hmm. from younger ballers too. And it's totally fine. It's, it was, it's all part of it for learning for me for like what was actually important from the game, what I actually mm-hmm. wanted from the game and needed from the game. Um, but at that point, it was also like for some reason equally important to showcase that I was a professional player and mm-hmm. doing it. Um, maybe it was because I turned down JP Morgan making $80,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had to like show people that I made the right decision. Um, maybe it was that, maybe it was just, you know, ego or feeling like I should be at this level and deserved it already. Um, whatever it was, you know, but it certainly wasn't like, I wasn't a professional player. Mm -hmm. Like there was guys in the league that were on full-time money, um, probably being paid under the table for the most part. But we thought this going in, right? You thought you you were full-time. I thought I was full-time, but this is, this is how it was. This is how it was uh, portrayed to me. And I want to give a little, like, pre-speech to this. A little pre prelog? No, preface what is it? this. Preface, yeah, whatever. That I don't fault Launceston City. I haven't said it in a while. Mm-hmm. At all for this. Because the way they do it is completely straight up. Mm-hmm. This is how they do it. They don't market it any other way. Um... But I had an agent at the time that wanted it to be... I mean, again, I was willfully ignorant, too. Mm-hmm. So it was projected to me that I would get paid... Um, should we say actual amounts? Yeah, I'll say it. I mean, we're being totally straight up on this episode. So uh, we get airfare paid, which is a lot to Australia, so granted. Um, I, would, I got a vehicle, which we called the lawnmower at the time. Um, I'll let you figure out why. <laughs> and um, Sick exhaust system. The club will arrange employment with a construction company for wages of 600 per week. So um, inflate, it was, it's a different, I mean, Australia is a different currency. Yeah. So that, it was a good amount of purchasing power. 600 a week is okay. Uh, I also had to pay 100. 600 a week or a month? 600 per week. Okay. Okay, yeah, PW per week, yeah. So yeah. it was 
twenty four hundred. Yeah. Um, I also had to pay a hundred per week of rent, so four hundred. Okay. So two hundred, two thousand. Yeah. But how it was marketed to me, and not from the club, but from the agent. So this is what I want to make clear that Launceston City didn't fuck me over. Yeah. This agent kind of fucked me over. And again, I also fucked myself over being ignorant to it yeah. and not really digging deep. But it says the club will arrange employment with a construction company with for wages of this. So this construction company, which we visited on other areas, it was marketed to me that I would just be sitting in a desk mm-hmm. and for tax purposes, it would be like this and maybe I'd have to do some Excel spreadsheets and shit like this. So me with my economics, business, business economics background, I was like, oh yeah, fuck it. And they, it was marketed to me that it would be cushy doing really nothing more just like this is how it's done here. Mm-hmm. And the first week I get there, um, two days before I'm going to the Kmart there and buying boots and, you know, like the, the earmuffs and goggles and glasses and, and gloves. And, you know, I'm, I'm laying bricks at a construction company, like bricks varying from five pounds to like 25 to like 30, 40 pounds. Like this shit is tough. Like how does anyone do a full season on this? You know, shouts to the guys that did before me. And, you know, there was an Irish guy who was working there too good money there like it was that's good money like you can really have some good money from working that job but i wasn't there to lay bricks i was there to do my first professional contract in air quotes again so like i quit after a week because i was like this is not how it was marketed to me and still like i went back to my agent said that and they were like okay like we'll try and find you something else um yeah but like this whole time you know it's still on instagram and to friends it's like i mean i don't know what i was telling you guys to be honest like guys who kind of knew the situation but i'm sure i wasn't being like completely candid about it i didn't yeah i didn't i don't remember knowing about that because it was still in my head it was like i have to have this image of myself as a a professional player yeah it's a facade when in reality what is that that's just for for what my little ego that's not helping anyone like what would I mean, it's not a regret because it's led me to this podcast and kind of being straight up about it. But I think being completely candid about it from day one on like social media and stuff would have been such a fucking great move just to show people like, no, this is what's going on. And you may think I'm crazy, but this is all these bricks, pun intended, are fucking laying something that's much bigger than just this first contract. Yeah, I think I think that's such an important point to like if if this was to happen now, which things still do happen now. It's not like we we don't really post much on social media for our individual stuff, like all the bullshit that goes on. But we talk about it here in the pod more. I guess rather. you can't be too careful. You can't. About you it, can't though, be in the like, current situation. I think yeah. past teams, it's okay. Yeah, I don't want to air anything out and be like, because all of these teams made me, and I love exactly, all of these exactly. guys, these teams, like. But I think it's important to know that at this level, it's always going to be something. There is always something. There's and that's, always something. That's part of it. And it's you're. I guess what you what we're doing is you're trying to stop the judgment of someone else, or you're afraid of the judgment. You know where they look down upon you, like, "Oh, look at you! You're making Pens. this how much a week, but you're working a full time construction job." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like you're not playing. You're not playing. I wasn't making money from. You're soccer. not playing soccer. 
you're working construction and playing part-time soccer on no, the it side. it was like win bonuses, but I wasn't making money from soccer. Right. And I think in the beginning, we got told from many people how it was going to be, but it's one thing to hear and one thing to go through it. Yeah, it's one. It's and definitely one thing to hear. I want this was really important it. for you to go through and realize, and especially right away, the first week. Oh, the first put it, you right to work before the first week of work, dude. Like before it all. I mean, yeah, there's so many. There's so many layers to it all. And here you are in full construction outfit, and in another life, I you were sitting behind a desk at J.P. Morton in a suit and tie. The like many universe theory, you yeah, know, like yeah. there is a version of Dylan out there that is like. Just slinging, crunching numbers. Crunching. I mean, I was yoked that first week of rip breaking, like completely yoked. But I was dead. I think we had a preseason tournament that, like, that weekend, and I was like, dead. Also, there's a hole in the ozone layer in Australia, maybe in more in Tasmania. Okay. And the first time I went without sunscreen playing a game, last time, because the Crisp. winter, the when you go there in February, it's dead summer, right? Mm-hmm. And crispy, yeah. You have to wear sunscreen. I don't. I'm not really like a big. I don't need to, I guess, as much. But lesson learned. Lesson learned. So, so you get over this bricks thing. Um, but what about what about the playing style? I mean, it footballing was, wise, were you able to play your game right away, or was this, you know, in your head and kind of holding you back? So, like, what did I come here for? You know, I'm, I've been lied to. I can't remember exactly what my first initial, like, I remember going to, like, one of, a few of the trainings, which was, like, on a nice grass pitch um, that we were playing on. I was, like, impressed because, you know, we come from playing on turf and a lot of different turfs in the U.S., especially in New York when we were playing Cosmopolitan League and stuff. We were playing, like, a really nice grass field, and I was, like, there was aspects of it where I was, like, this is insane more because it was different but like yeah it took it took a little bit and i don't know i would say that the the level of it <coughs> it's a good question actually like the the level of it compared to college i wouldn't really say it was better maybe some teams were better mm-hmm. it was it's a very interesting league in tasmania so it's technically the second tier because once you're out of the a league so it goes a league and then npl but npl is regional so every region in Australia has its own. Perth has its own. Sydney has its own. Melbourne has its own. Adelaide has its own. Tasmania has its own. And Tasmania was is one of the weakest. Um, money, geog- like geography, it just makes sense. And yeah, it's a bit hel- It's a very helter skelter actually. It's a lot of. It doesn't really. The game doesn't go calm. Um, it's. It, I think it maybe was a little bit more physical than. Then, like, college, um, I also think in college we really controlled most of the games that we were in. And this time, actually, we were straight away, I learned after going through, like, one round of it. I think there's seven or eight teams is all. So you play each other a few times. Mm -hmm. I remember going through, like, even just a few of the first games and being like, oh, shit. We were in relegation, like, zone pretty much the entire year. And I was not used to losing, coming from Oneonta, coming from high school, club, all that shit, man. I was winning. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I think I, I wasn't as offensive as I was in um, college. I was playing more of 10, left winger, really more involved in a lot of the attacks. 
and maybe I mean one of those things maybe for the for the long run and really for me to develop as a more all-around player I was more defensive more getting into battles more winning headers having to make a lot more tackles and win you know your 1v1s um, so it was a lot it was very it was very similar but also very different for the role I was playing mm -hmm. and it was I remember talking to my coach like can I get more forward like can I play in these 10 roles or winger roles but he saw me more there being more vital to the team in that kind of eight six box mm -hmm. to box deep line playmaker but also getting up to join the attack yeah i mean i learned to really try and be involved throughout a whole 90 minute spell in australia and not just come in for pockets because mm -hmm. i guess i was needed in that role to do a little bit more mm -hmm. so i mean looking back on it now you learn and i grew a lot all around and but yeah, it was it was very similar but very different in mm -hmm. the same regard. And what about the country as a whole, the culture? Was it a, a big change or not really? No, not really. I mean, like, especially coming around to different places now, I mean, there are certain things, obviously, slang and how they talk. There's a lot of different mm -hmm. words. Um, they'll throw out the C word um, like it's bro. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of, like, culture, it's really, like, a version of America with accents, I would mm -hmm. explain it as. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was definitely some things, um, like the driving on the other side of the road is was nuts. Yeah. And the first time, and not actually having to like take a course in it, and just being able to do it with my American license is mind-blowing to me because it's so hard to get a license in Germany. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, besides that, I wouldn't say culturally it was too different. Mm -hmm. And when you were playing... What were you thinking about the next season? Were you thinking about the next season at all? Like, where am I going to go after this? I mean, I was. I was thinking, I was always thinking, to a fault, too. Um, because you learn in this, like, it's good to, like, think for the next thing, but it's also good to, like, cement yourself in where you are. Because I think part of me was always thinking, okay, like, I'm out of here at the end of the season. Okay, like, I'm out of here. And, again, going back to the point, super naive in this all first contract still being very young not understanding the business not understanding that you should be your own agent but thinking i needed an agent to do these things for me yeah i was being told that i would get a contract i'd you know get good highlights get some good stats um you played in a league outside of the u.s and we'll take this and we'll go to scandinavia marketed to me is no problem again ignorant to it all believed it as bible mm -hmm and didn't do anything there i made highlights and i was focused on getting good highlights and focused on i was always focused on getting better that wasn't a problem mm -hmm. i was doing sessions by myself always working and training but i uh, wasn't marketing myself i wasn't thinking okay i'm in australia let me leverage this opportunity i'm right here let me try and get into maybe a better mpl which is professional where they are making mm -hmm. full-time money um and they are getting guys who've played in europe you know like some of these teams Maybe I can really get better in the next three years, leverage this, get into the A-League. Like, mm -hmm. you never know. I could have I done that. Mm -hmm. I rested on my laurels and rested on what was told to me. And one of the biggest lessons I learned that year, if not the biggest, was like, okay, I have, you know, no one's going to do this for me. Mm -hmm. You can be told something, but that's not, never is Bible. Like, And yeah, I mean, again... 
tough to really live with regrets, but it, it is interesting to think about like, okay, what if I had gone in with a different mentality where I'm still gonna do all those things, but I'm gonna leverage different, different opportunities, maybe try and get some trials and work somewhere else. And maybe, you know, we talked about this off camera, maybe go to Southeast Asia, use that, it's right there. Mm-hmm. Leverage these opportunities, maybe get into somewhere there, somewhere in Asia, somewhere in a better league in Australia. You know, there's, there's, but in my head it was like, oh, I'm going to Europe. You know, it was like, it was just part of the plan and part of the route. And it's, again, it's weighing those expectations with what can happen and like also what can happen. Like yeah. there, was so, there was so much more I could have done. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it was a very good learning experience that uh, unfortunately you went through with the agent and I think we should dive into this a little bit because sure yeah it's important to trust the agent first off that you work with mm-hmm. there's always going to be agents out there looking to help you they're going to promise you the world mm-hmm. um, but looking back now what are some warning signs that you would advise people to look out for warning signs is if you're not making money through playing soccer your agent should not get a piece of that he was getting a piece of money that I was of construction. making off construction. That's ridiculous. I had to pay a fee to him every month. These are some things that you learn. Um, and how much is this fee? I can't remember. It wasn't like crazy. I believe but it's it was 10% like, or 9 I think it was like, I think I was paying like 140 or 200 a month to him. Something like this. Yeah. I can't remember for sure, It was, but it was around the 10% mm-hmm. range. Um, warning sign. Definitely a warning sign. Uh, another uh, tip of advice would just be like to get more in writing that you can to get more in writing um get more like updates and and like progress reports and stuff like this and you know schedule more meetings and things like this um also just ask every question in the world if you have an agent and an agent represents you i mean he works for you so regardless of the money, regardless if you're thankful that, you know, they helped you f- help find this opportunity if they had a connection, like in the end, this is still your business. It's yourself. So like ask the questions. Don't feel like you're being a bother or an annoyance because that's how I felt. It's like, oh, he knows what he's doing. I'm just fucking, this is my first contract, you know, like whatever. Um, I'm sure he's looking out for the best in me, but it's not always the case. And so you, one of the things you always learn to navigate and kind of, read people a little better in this game. I think Sean mm-hmm. and I have gotten quite good at this. But, yeah, more get more in writing. Ask more questions. Um, just don't rely. I don't... At this level, the level that we were at, unless you're, like, already making professional money and your agent works for, like, a, an agency that is, you know, reliable and you, you know this agency and there's other players and stuff mm-hmm. and, like, it's a little more big time... Don't rely on that agent to just get you stuff. Yeah. In the end, like, you are your biggest salesman and you know you're going to work the hardest for yourself. So those were the things. I'm sure there was more warning signs that I could come up with, but, mm-hmm. like, those were, the, those were the warning signs and tips, I would mm-hmm. say. And then also, this is your first time. I mean, at, at college, you're away from home, but it's only a few hours away. Now you're halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. How was uh, that being away from family and friends, number one, mm-hmm. and then uh, relationships? Yeah, so the, girlfriend so the, the relationships, I was with a, a girlfriend who was living in 
she was au pairing in Perth, which is another city in there, and then came to live with me. So, I mean, during the times, that wasn't the biggest thing. Being away from family was tough. Um, and especially when my girlfriend wasn't there, like there was a lot of times when I was alone or like just figuring things out. And um, it was, a, I mean, it was also a blessing to me too, because I, I took some times to just hop in the lawnmower, the car, and just like go to see what Australia had to offer. Because it is one of the, T Tasmania especially, is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. I, some of the hikes and, and like camping things that I did and, and oceans and sunsets, like I don't know if they'll ever be replicated in places I go. It's like truly breathtaking stuff that I was able to just go solo sometimes, grab a book bag and go on like hours upon hours of hikes. And yeah, it was, I mean, that was, that was, a, I guess a blessing. Um, I'm trying to think what the original question was. No, just relationships. How was that dealing with being away from family? Or Yeah, that was tough. Being away from friends, I think, and family was very difficult because, I mean, even for me, um, so this was 2016 I was there? 2017. 2017. So the, the, the summer beforehand, my best friend had passed away um, in, like, a tragic accident. And it was super tough being away from, like, that support system because during that time, like, we really like leaned on each other and talked to each other, hung out with each other constantly just to like, I don't know, be around people who understood it to make sense of it, you know, mm -hmm. that makes sense. And it was really tough being away from like my family and friends in that regard because I still was processing something, something so like crazy to me. And it's still crazy to me, but it was still it was still so fresh in that time. And being away from them was one of the hardest experiences and something that was like maybe a little dark at times. I don't want to sound like dramatic, but like it forced me to go inside and work through some things. And yeah, I mean, it was difficult, but it was also like so necessary in a way for me to grow as a person who maybe was looking towards outside forces and drinking and stuff like that to kind of maybe shield myself from deeper issues. It sounds a little profound and stuff, but mm -hmm. like, I mean, these are things that we go through. Yeah. So. Yeah. And were you going, were you doing a lot of exploring on your own or were you staying in the house often? A bit of both. So, I mean, I had to work a lot of the time too, because like, Right, so you weren't working in a construction job. We didn't cover that. What did no, you do I, after that? I bounced around and tried to get a few different things that really... I mean, I worked in a yogurt factory, which but was... But were they paying you hell. money? Who? Still? The club. The club was never paying me money. So you were now just looking for a job. I was now just looking for a job. They were helping me look for a job. Because so, they understood that something along the way got so lost So this contract was legitimately with the construction company? Yeah, because it was... It was there was it a connection. could have been like a sponsor or There was a connection. Right. Yeah, there was. Yeah. So now you're there, really not earning anything from soccer. You're looking for a job. Nothing. Dipping into my J.P. Morgan intern internship savings. The before. Yeah, which was good money. And uh, yeah, I bounced around, and you know, there's a huge thing in Australia to do your 90 days of like uh, farm work or something. So I was mm -hmm. looking into doing that, and I do regret getting that too because that could have set the stage for me to stay another year in Australia, maybe in the mainland. 
You can like pick berries or grapes and stuff like this. It's crazy. Um, but I did a yogurt packing job and I did it so that it was at, I think the start was like 5 a.m. And would end at like 2.30 and then I would have time to like come back, get a little bit of um, food in me and then go to training. So it was designed so that I could make good money but also have all this like to be ready and good for training. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, <laughs> I was hell, dude. Like uh, yogurt packing, like the, I mean. Mundane. Mundane, dude, mundane. I mean. Eventually, I got these big headphones because you had to wear like headphones. Yeah. It's in a factory. It's all part of. So the you got thing. headphones. With I got speakers. like bigger ones, and then I got like before there were AirPods. Uh. I got like a little Bluetooth speaker, and I was listening to podcasts actually mm. like beforehand. People would ask me stuff, and I'd be like, "What? What?" Yeah, I mean, it was terrible. It was it was terrible. But I also think sometimes you kind of need to experience yeah. that just to see, just to a little see blue like collar labor. Yeah, just to see like I don't know. It made me more empathetic to to people to 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 like working and i mean i knew that if i could work that i could i could work yeah. anywhere in yeah. my opinion and so i did that and then i worked at a coffee shop which was great comparatively mm -hmm. i worked at a coffee shop and they were amazing to me and it was much more i mean i was addicted to coffee at that point but it was like <laughs> it was much more like enjoyable and yeah. face to face and talking mm -hmm. and the days went quicker and stuff like that um but yeah, I was never paid through the club unless it was like a win bonus or something. But it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault. Right, right, right. It wasn't their fault at all. Um, yeah, that's just how it came out. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I didn't know that. Really? I, th I thought it was like you got paid through the club, but you had to work or you had to show face at a job. That's what it was supposed to be. But you know, something like this that's is marketed also marketed in teams here. Mm -hmm. Where they won't pay you money, but they'll give you a job that'll give you two thousand euros a month. But exactly, it's full time, and you got to work every day. And it might be some stupid factory job like that. Going um, back to it, I think I like just to interject on what I should have done and what someone could do in this similar situation is reach out to the club directly. Yeah, maybe they won't tell you the full up truth either. Like, mm -hmm. but I think in my situation, if I'd reached out to them, they would be like, "No, this is what it is." And like and your if, construction job is not like. And if the they desk. told you this, what do you think you would have done? I think I still would have gone. To be honest, I think I still would have gone. Yeah. Um. Different mentality though. And I think I may. I mean, I would have been. No, I don't even think it was. It would be a different mentality. I'd probably still tell people I was pro or something. Yeah, I mean, but you're going into it expecting it, you know. Going in expecting it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a. It's a great question. It's a great question. Obviously, hindsight twenty twenty, but hindsight. I don't know. To like, be, I can't. I can't answer that. I think I would still probably go, but also like knowing that you would have to lay bricks is was like is not a selling point. So I, I don't know. I don't know. So how did the season end? You're coming to the end of the season. How did the team do? Number one, uh, number two. How did uh, the opportunities for the following season look at that point? Um, well, I mentioned earlier, we were kind of in like a relegation scare the entire year. Um, I don't know if anyone actually got relegated that year, but how it usually works, I guess, in the MPLs is like there's no promotion into the A-League, but there's leagues underneath each regional, regional, regional league. I'm <laughs> going into German there. Um, 
So like we were towards the bottom the entire year. Uh, we had some great wins and cup and stuff. We had some great upset wins. Um, they have like their own kind of FA Cup thing too. You win that, then you go play other other teams from different land, different areas, or A League or something like that. So we made it all the way to the semifinal for that. Um, but yeah, we—I mean—we struggled the entire year. We had guys coming in and out that were imports. You're allowed three imports in in Australia, um, so it was tough to get guys. You know, it's 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 kind of around that area where you get some young guys, you get older guys. This isn't their first priority. So yeah, I mean, it was it was tough in that regard because I think we lost seven nothing, like or seven one twice, and. That was so different for me, losing that bad. I I don't I can't remember the last time that's ever happened. Um, but even in that one game, we lost seven one. I scored, and it's one of the first goals on the highlight tape. So I was like, I told my brother who was editing at the time, "Can you just take the score out on the top?" Um, but yeah, I mean, it it was a good experience to learn how to fight in the same regard. But it was also just it was tough because I knew. Um, it was the level wasn't right for me, and I and it was tough, like going into games and 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 just losing those bus rides home. It was just like at some points it was like, ah, oh, god damn, like what am I doing? You know, it's just like there's not there's nothing like losing seven nothing to like kick your ass a little bit mm-hmm. and just bring you back down. Sometimes in a good way to like really get another work out of you, but. I guess at the end it was fine because we stayed up and we got some good wins and I did well personally. I made it to the uh, team of the year. Um, and as a losing team, being like on the bottom, I, you know, I was proud of that. And I was proud that other people saw that. And, you know, I was valued at the club. They really appreciated me. They wanted to come, me to come back for a second year. But like I said, I was fixated that my agent would get me something in in Sweden or Finland or Denmark or Norway, which didn't happen. I went home and then, I mean, really had really had nothing. Really, again, had nothing, and went back to doing combines and stuff like that. And I can't remember how it ended with me and the agent. Um, I never really like burned the bridge or like you know really had it out or said anything because in the end I I still take it as like I should have been or I could have I could have been more upfront I could have learned I mean I learned from it so Mm -hmm. it is what it is but I didn't do enough to to get something in Australia when I couldn't have been and also in my head it was like it's it's far out Australia's far out and I kind of wanted to be at least a little closer to home and then I had this idea like okay it's Europe time mm-hmm. maybe I thought the standard was a little bit more reflective of Australia which wasn't necessarily the case and not to talk bad about Tasmanian soccer but I just felt like this this can't be it for me um, but yeah I had like I really didn't have anything I was on faith that someone was getting something right. for me and it was no option to stay like in my head, but they offered something. So they offered. They offered me to stay. Yeah, yeah, of course. They, they offered they really you an eight hundred per week construction job. <laughs> I don't. I don't know <laughs> what it was. Doing roofing. I don't know what it was, but like, I had made it clear. Like, thank you. Um, 
but I'm, I'm going to Europe. Like, that's my goal. And, I mean, I really didn't have anything. I, I, th- I think he was telling me, like, there's interest or something like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, you just, you, I'm in a trust mode. I'm in a trust mode that something's going to happen because I'm paying someone to do right. something. Um, regardless of how much it was. And, again, like, I could have used the time to do a lot more. But in that time in between when I had literally nothing... That's the time I was emailing clubs like a hundred times a day or on LinkedIn or something like Mm -hmm. that, like crazy and not really getting anything back. And the time after Australia was another crazy, difficult time questioning, like what, what is going on here? What am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like what's next in this? Amazing. I think, uh, then we, we stop it there with your story and we'll continue and this will be, yeah, in it. In sorry. two weeks. Sorry, guys. Your continuation of the story, but I think let's end with some quick fire. Some, uh, hmm. what do we call it? Fast feet. Fast feet. You know what it's the called. The agility ladder questions. Yes. Favorite moment in Australia? Favorite moment. Um, I re- we, we pulled off a really good upset win in the quarterfinals of the Cup where I scored a goal. And that was a great moment for me personally and as a team because we were struggling and then you pull off an upset against a team who really walked in thinking they were going to wipe the floor with us mm-hmm. and it was a night game and it was really fun and then we you know it was a good energy around the club where it was like you stay in and have a beer after the game stuff mm-hmm. like that and you just there's a canteen there and it was like nice after a win it's like it was a good it was a fun place to be in mm-hmm. Australia in that club so although that goal was never recorded and it was one of my favorite goals I've scored just because of what was going on, and it was a really good header, like a really good header. I asked like coaches and like media places, but somehow no one had it. I think it got burned. Favorite food? Favorite food. There was two things that I liked. Um, There's a lot of similar food in terms of like, you can get a really good burger there, of Mm -hmm. course. Um, I tried kangaroo one time, which was an interesting experience, very light, very stringy, very muscular meat or whatever. Um, but there was two. There was like these meat pies that they do. I think it's an English thing mm-hmm. too. And they're really good if you get them at the right place. Like just has the crust yeah. around it mm-hmm. and you deep in and it's like even hotter inside mm-hmm. and it's like really good tasty meat. And then there was also like this sponge cake thing called a lamington, which was amazing with the coffee. It's like a sponge cake with some Sounds Some amazing. Some goo inside. I don't know what the fuck you call it. I can it, tell by your crazy. eyes it was delicious. It was amazing. Yeah. What about your favorite culture thing? Favorite culture thing? I think the people were very welcoming. Where it was like, I put their hand around you, you know, arm around you, and like, let you know that they appreciate you. Mm. You know, it was a very open, like, maybe this was just Tasmania. This is where I lived. But it was very like, yeah, like they'll tell you, they'll tell you how it is. So they're upfront with you. Um, but they were very welcoming. I was welcomed into a lot of homes as just like a part of the family and stuff like that. So, I mean, the people there were amazing. Mm-hmm. Reason you'd go back to Tasmania? I would like to see some people again. Um, just to say hi and stuff. Also, I w- there's a few nature spots that I didn't hit. And there's like this one famous like week-long trek hike through like different areas I would love to do that um, again one of the most beautiful places I've been I would love to just go without a phone and just like like un, just 
That sounds wonderful. Just what is what am I trying to say? Just kind of like go, go off, off the, the grid. Go off the grid a little bit and just kind of like reconnect away from Hug a tree everything. or two. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah. Of course. Biggest takeaway. Biggest takeaway is that um, I guess there's a few different answers because my biggest takeaway then, right then, was like, okay, I have to do this myself. And that was really when I first learned that, like, no one's going to do this for me. No matter if someone says they're going to do it for me, like, I'm going to have to do this shit. Um, But another takeaway, I guess, years later was that it's not really about the idea of being a pro or the facade of being a pro or the, like, the appearance of being a pro, I guess is the best way. It's like just the first stop on becoming the best person and player that I can be for this for this role and that's those were the takeaways love it alright should we uh, we do our our normal wrap up I think so wrap it up until next time keep moving forward keep learning and make your own path it's weird looking at you in the eyes when saying that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> alright party people a few questions here in Australia sorry if there's a lack of quality here how to take these while on vacation so um, we'll get to a few of these first one did you see a kangaroo? I don't know if this was meant as a joke, but yes, I did see a kangaroo. Although the kangaroos in Tasmania and Australia are more like wallabies. That's what they're called. They're, they're just smaller, a lot smaller. Um, next one is football popular in the area compared to Europe or is it more like the USA? Um, I'd say it's closer to the USA. I think there is factions of it that are, are maybe a little bit more popular, but also not. Um, and yeah, they also have Australian rules football, which is like the main sport. Would you recommend a young player getting their start there? Yes, I think I would because you just learn a lot about not only yourself, but I mean, just as a player, I thought I, thought I learned a lot. And I think if you're going to Australia because you didn't get a fair shot in the USA or Canada, it can be a good different experience for you because you can make a name there and you can make a name in Australia and go into better leagues and climb your way up or you could even take that and go into Southeast Asia you're right there so I think there's a lot of options Um, and last one is it easy to get a visa Um, yes as an American Canadian I'm not sure about all other places I think Europeans as well um, you just have to apply online you get a one year and then second year you have to fulfill some working requirements which is different for each country, different for each territory that you live in. So I just take do some research. Um, but usually you have to do 90 days of some type of cultivating work, farm work, sometimes tourist work, depending on where you are. And yeah, it's pretty easy. You just have to show some stuff in your bank account, have some health insurance, yada yip, yada yada. All right, that's, my, that's me. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves and great companies such as Kong Fitness. But we love to partner with new brands to make their own paths, so get in touch if you must. Footwork.club, the official footwork website is now live, so make sure you go join the club and check out all the new content and all the new features. Find us on YouTube at Footwork Podcast. You better like and subscribe while you're there. If not, I don't know what to tell you. Find us on Instagram at Footwork underscore podcast. Great time there. Twitter at Footwork Podcast. TikTok at Footwork Podcast, where we like to post dance videos those are great but more importantly amazing content for any dream chasers out there plug plug pass tell your friends your enemies your mother your brother your sister your pastor it doesn't matter who tell the mailman your dog anybody that can listen like subscribe review because all of that helps while you're there we'll take whatever we can get to join the club join the club 
He messed yeah. me up. I mean, he can just he can just mash it together, so it's fine. 